where the rocks are, put our oar in the water when we need to go around something, and just be listening, listening to things around us and know that it's okay to just be in the river of life and accept. And when we, when we fight that, when we're pushing so hard to be successful, we're pushing so hard to get everything done, I have to, I do this to myself even now, yeah. through me. I, I, truly, I just, I, sometimes I stay up way too late. But when I recognize, okay, I can do this and I can do this well, who can I partner with that could do this? And I'm willing to let go of the results. Mm. That's the hey, mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy. But sisters, we are making it happen, even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. BJ Strummy is a Northwest native with a deep love of the woods and water. So any chance she gets you will find her hiking or kayaking. She has been an independent entrepreneur for over 38 years. So she knows the bumps and the hurdles we all need to get over to be successful. She has started and ran two businesses successfully, earning her top company recognition for years. In her business, Pop Mindset, she coaches entrepreneurs, how to read and communicate with prospects and coworkers better that will then result to networking effectively to maximize their efforts, therefore increasing confidence in business, life, and beyond. BJ loves personal coaching, creating amazing retreats in beautiful places like Costa Rica and Cabo San Lucas. She helps teams, big or small, create new ideas, provide them with tools and techniques so they can communicate better internally or externally. Some of these techniques will cut months, if not years, off their learning curve. She created the personality profiling system called Are You My Flock? It's a very fun and effective personality profiling system that builds success for entrepreneurs, mothers like me, and parents, or any leaders and sales professionals. Are You My Flock has brought many benefits to me personally and professionally, and I know it's brought so much value to some of the professionals I network. And my all-time favorite benefit is becoming a better mother understanding my children. Mother Hustlers, 
please help me in welcoming the mother hustler mothering the world this week. Are you my flock creator, coach, entrepreneur, and of course, a great friend, BJ Strami. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I am your host, Kareen Mills. Welcome. We have an amazing woman here that I've known for a long, long time. BJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kareen. Thank you very much. All right, sister, let's do this. Okay. So, tell me about your childhood. I always love listening to people's childhood because... The thing about childhood is that it really does mold you when you show up as an adult. And then we, we start healing process. We start personal development. As you know, you're really big with that. And that's kind of how we, we change to how we show up later in life too, based on our childhood. So take it away. You're, you're absolutely right. There's so much that forms us when we're young and most of the time, we're really not aware of it, not until you become an adult, often in your 40s, 50s, 60s, then we go, wait, why do I keep doing that? Or why do I keep attracting that? And suddenly we go, ah, oh, okay, I want to change, right? And, and we, don't, we don't look until, we don't look for a, a solution until we really see the problem. And when we're young, it's normal. Everything we grow up with, for the most part, seems normal unless you've got you know, maybe some friends or something that are a real counterbalance to what you grew up with. So you're absolutely right. I am very much into personal growth. Um, I had a pretty good childhood. I'm very grateful. I mean, and again, it yeah. felt normal to me. It's, right? uh, <laughs> it's really interesting how all that shape up. Um, it, if you have trauma when you're a child, it's going to affect your, a lot of times, teenage years. And then early 20s, you can show up at work because then you become a young adult that way as well. So it can affect the exterior part of your life and the relationships that you handle when you're, you know, when when you're a grown adult. So that's, um, you know that, I mean, you do mindset training, you do a lot of like work in the mind. So tell us a little bit, how does that relate? Because I feel like a lot of people that have, I don't want to say traumatic childhood, but more of like a challenging right. childhood seems to excel later on in life. And there has to be a correlation to why that happens. And most of the moms that I interview here that has some sort of a childhood challenge or, you know, some people go like they go homeless with their parents or like for me, I was, you know, I watched my parents wrestle <laughs> and, you know, domestic violence and, and whatnot. So how was yours? Like, was yours pretty exciting, happy, challenging? How was your mom, your parents? Uh, well, a little bit of who I am today, of course, just like yourself, um, comes from, uh, you know, the surroundings. I had a, a very... Um, I had what I would say a songbird raptor mom. So if you've come to any of my classes, um, even if you haven't, you know, you hear the word songbird and you're like, okay, and raptor. And she was, um, 
She was a single mom for quite a while. Uh, I am one of six kids. Let's see, Patsy, Debbie, Mike, me, Garn. Yeah, six, sorry, we lost one. Um, but she was, you know, she was pretty, a, a pretty dominant, powerful force in our lives. Um, and she worked because for a long time she was a single mom and she was a nurse. So we didn't have the same, you know, stay at home mom kind of experience. She wasn't a warm fuzzy, she was fun. Uh, and I probably had one of the best relationships with her. You know, each child has their own unique relationship with them. And when you have a dominant parent, you might have a quieter child. That quieter child feels either neglected or run over or made fun of. And all those things happened in our family. You know, some of us were tougher on the other siblings. Um, and she did get remarried when I was about, I must have been six, seven, something like that. Um, and so then I have another little sister who's my absolute closest sister. And there was still trouble in the family as far as money was always a thing that she had to worry about. <clears throat> you know, being a single mom, she was a pretty powerful woman and her mom was a pretty powerful woman. So she was the, my mother was the only girl in a family of boys. So wow. <laughs> that makes you powerful. <laughs> well, yeah, she kind of had to fight for her way a little bit. She had one brother she was real close to that, uh, you know, kind of protected her. And my grandmother was also a really, um, I would say not powerful, but strong. Um, very strong-willed, and just from everything that we can pick up in the past, she had a pretty she had a pretty hard childhood, and um, she got out on her own at the age of eighteen. Back in that day, you know, I mean, they lived in the country, so she literally walked across the country to leave when she was eighteen to leave where she was to try and find another place to live, you know, someone to work for, and so I mean that that take care of yourself kind of mental attitude, like you're what you got. You don't lean on other people. You don't count on other people. You need to be able to take care of yourself. You need to be able to stand on your own two feet. Um, it really kind of in our family created a dynamic of where the women, for the, for the most part, the women were the ones with the, were the money makers, um, wow. kind of taking care of the guys. And so I, I see that, you know, I have seen that throughout my family, not, not consistently in the same dynamic with each relationship, but still where, um, the women were in some ways the more responsible party. Wow. That's been an interesting thing because then of course you go looking unconsciously for that same type of relationship. Sure. Um, and, and then sometimes you don't end up in such a good one because that's not really, that's not the best dynamic in any relationship is where one is just having all of the responsibility and the other one doesn't. So yeah, it's that's shown up a little bit, but other than that, you know, I mean, that's the biggest thing I think I've brought into my adult life was just that belief that you had to do it yourself, you know, that you had to stand on your own two feet, that you don't ask for help. And our generation now, not, not my generation, but the generation now, you know, the 20 year olds and the 30 year olds, that is not their mentality. You know, they have no problem asking somebody for help for the most part, like, can I borrow your phone? Or, you know, um, can you give me a ride or those yeah. kinds of things? And it's, and so it's something I've had to um, get over, something I had to find tools. Why do I have some of these same things that push me? Why do I have trouble, um, you know, asking for help uh, yeah. and, and that kind of thing. Now, the other thing that was beautiful about my childhood is I had cousins who were close. And back in 
I grew up in Montana, so we didn't have, of course, no computers, mm -hmm. no internet, and I didn't grow up with a lot of TV. That means it was fun. Well, we played outside. <laughs> yeah, you know, we played outside. We made um, tunnels in the hay barn. We went horseback riding. Uh, you know, we stayed at grandma's in the country, rode the school bus home with the cousins. There was a lot of that for me in my life that was really fun, joy-filled and very lighthearted. And that to this day has kept us close to our cousins. And that's a beautiful thing to have relations and relationships that really support you and encourage you and they're there for you. Even if you don't see them for a long, long time, they have this special place in your heart. And, um, you yeah. know, see them, you're back together. So for the most part, I'm very blessed. I didn't have a, I didn't have a physically emotional uh, childhood. There was, there was some, you know, emotional stuff, not, not physical, but emotional stuff. That in, everybody imperfections. Goes, yeah. You know, just that. It's, yeah. Uh, it's you never have perfect. Yep. Um, Get it done. Do it right. I want to talk about having a hard time asking for help because, mm -hmm. you know, I think not just women, but for the most part humans, because we tend to have the pride and sometimes no matter how difficult life gets, we feel timid from ask, like for asking help and you know, there's a point in our lives where we have to learn how to ask, not only learn how to ask for help, but learn how to receive help. As for me, when, you know, I'm in your, you know, I've gone through your class and I'm a raptor and it's I'm very self-sustaining. I'm very independent. I like to be dominant and have, you know, control, but learning how to relinquish control too is something that I have to really not adapt, but really have self-discipline for, um, you know, not, I don't have control of everything. So I think the control factor stresses a raptor out because when we don't have that control, we tend to kind of don't feel like we're significant Mm -hmm. So, and then when we get help or receive help, we tend to push it back because we feel like, hey, I can do this on my own. And so I think there's good and bad when you say, you know, you were self-sustaining and you learn how to be independent and you learn how to make your own money and not depend on anybody. But it, that's really good character because I'm the same way. But I think when you're really in dire need of help, that can also be a, you know, disadvantage because sometimes we just really need the help. <laughs> oh, hugely. Yes. Yes. And your, your point on, um, I think one of the things I want to bring out for all mom entrepreneurs is if we can truly accept the fact that we really don't have control, period, we don't. We think we do, we put together our list and we do the best. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't put together your list and have a plan of attack and, and know what you want to do. But realize that we live in a universe where things are always moving. Mm -hmm. Lives interact with ours, intersect with ours, and things 100%. are always moving. And if we can, and this I think takes maturity and a willingness to just slow down. And sometimes we have to slow down because we get slapped upside the head. You've had it. I've had it. Yep. Most entrepreneurs have had it. Most people 
end up somewhere in their life where they kind of have to go, oh, wait, I, I can't. But if we can realize that we're kind of in the, the river of life, and, and really our job is just to be aware of where the rocks are, put our oar in the water when we need to go around something, and just be listening, listening to things around us and know that it's okay to just be in the river of life and accept. And when we, when we fight that, when we're pushing so hard to be successful, we're pushing so hard to get everything done, I have to, I do this to myself even now. Yeah. Truly, I, truly, I just, I, sometimes I stay up way too late. But when I recognize, okay, I can do this and I can do this well, who can I partner with that could do this? And I'm willing to let go of the results. Mm, that's the biggest mm. piece. That's where we feel like we have control because I could do it better. Well, yeah, that's like making the bed for your kids all the time. Yes, <laughs> you can do it better but they're never going to learn and they're never going to get as good as you. So just like we as moms have to raise our kids to do things like unload the dishwasher, sweep the floor, fold the clothes, make the bed, brush their teeth. We're, we're teaching them to the best of our ability to be functioning humans so they can take care of themselves and contribute to society. There are other people in the world that are also have these skill sets we need in our businesses and they're doing their best to perfect their skill if we can partner alongside them and say, you know what, you're, you're so good. I noticed that you're so good at this and I would love to find a way to partner with you because that's not my skill set. I'm really good at this. How can I bring this to you and allow you to bring this to me so we can really bless more people because you truly bless more people when you collaborate. And I think that's, I think that's one way without a tragedy. I think that's one simple way to start to accept help into your life as you go looking for it um, to the best of your ability. Sometimes you're not in a position to maybe hire somebody, but maybe you can find somebody that would partner and take some of the, like if you have product or you have a program or you have services, sometimes you can partner or barter. Um, and sometimes you can go, I mean, you guys have all told me because I haven't done it yet, but you've told me, you know, go and look for like an intern at the college that maybe can do some things that you don't want to do. That's one way to gracefully accept help without feeling like, you know, you totally let go of everything. That's one way to start. And the yeah. other way to accept help is when you're just knocked flat on your back. <laughs> and when that happens, you just have to gracefully go, you know what? Try to remind yourself of how good it feels. I love to give, and I know you do too, right? We love it when someone- We're the giver gang. Yeah, it just, it feels good. You know, when you can help somebody, you take them something, you do something for them, it feels good. Yes. If we don't allow someone to do that for us, we take away that gift. We literally have taken away that gift. Yeah, so I have two questions and maybe not the other one, maybe not a question, but mostly the, the first question is, how does a mom, because this is obviously a mom-centric podcast, how do they get out of the mindset of, okay, I am willing now to receive help? Okay. Um, I would say, well, it starts with when you go looking for babysitters. Hello. It starts right there. When we go, you know what? I, I really need to do this, but I have to be, I want to be with my kids or I want somebody to be with my kids. If you just put yourself back in that thought process and go, yeah, 
I asked my family to help me watch the kids or I asked my, I hired a babysitter to help me watch the kids. Maybe once in a while I found somebody who would come and do some house cleaning for me or maybe some yard work. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. It just might be in business where if you're a little unsure, you're thinking, well, I'm not real sure what I need to do in business. I, I think I want to do this. Business might be a new move for some mom entrepreneurs you know, to work for themselves. Yes. The best thing hard. to collaborate with somebody. First of all, find someone you trust. Um, when I first started Pop Mindset, I connected with somebody I truly loved. She was a, 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 she was a businesswoman. And I said, this is what I want to do. And we collaborated and she helped me come up with ideas. And just that time together gave me encouragement, strength, hope that maybe I could do this. So get involved in some networking, um, find a couple mentors, you know, like you and I, we love what we do. We know what it's like to get started in business. That's why I do what I do. It's not because I have it all wired. It's because I struggled for 30 some years in the other one, making it successful, found tools, went out looking for things, sat on the, I, I've been known to sit on the fireplace and cry when something didn't work out, you know? I'm a little Amen, sister. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, we all have that like, oh my gosh. I, and, and sometimes working on technology on the computer, I would sit down and cry because I'm like, can't be that stupid. I, I'm sure I'm not that stupid. Why does it <laughs> make sense? Right? Um, but the right people, if we're open and we just ask for help, the right people will come into our lives. But again, it's that river, you know, put your oar in the water. Stop trying to swim upstream. Stop trying to force our boat to go upstream with a paddle instead of a motor. And, and just figure out where do I need to be? Stop and listen and, and be quiet for a little bit. Because it yeah. will come together. I promise you, it will come together when we don't fight it so much. Always, always. And, and there's so many things here in this conversation that I really want to dive deep into. When you talk about receiving help, there is truly magic that happens there because when you help or when, when somebody wants to help you, it literally helps that person. And you said it right. Like it makes you feel so good that you did a good deed for somebody. And if you think of it that way, it's like, you know, she's helping me, but I'm also helping her. Maybe that is her purpose and she's trying to deliver it. And if I'm not receiving the help, I'm stopping yeah. her from delivering that. I'm a hurdle for like you're standing in the way, not only for yourself, but you're standing in that person's way if you don't accept or receive the help graciously. So I just want to reiterate what you just said, because that is such a beautiful, it's truly an exchange. It's not mm -hmm. just a, I think in our mindset, when we get help, we just think it's a one-way street that, oh, I'm receiving help and I feel really bad. And with me too, being the Filipino that I am, we have this cultural thing that if we get help, we have to figure out another way to give back to that person. But then you're never done. You're never done. And we forget that you just pay it forward. And when I saw, when I saw that pay it forward movement, when it just started going and they had this little bracelet and people open doors and pay for people's coffee. And I'm like, you know, it's time to change the Filipino cultural mindset that I have. And we call it HIA. Like we're ashamed of the help. And so in order for us to remove the shame, we have to give it back to that person to release ourselves, to free ourselves from this. It's so stupid. 
but we don't know that you're raised with it. So yeah. And that's why I talk about childhood. Yeah. Because exactly. I think it's super important, right? It, yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and it's so powerful when you feel the, when you feel uncomfortable or unhappy with something, that's the time to start going, wait, is this serving me? Does this thought process or this result or this action still serve me? And then it's that process of peeling back the onion to, you know, you, you realize you got a little rotten spot. As I tell people, we're all onions. You realize you got a little rotten spot. So you peel back those layers and you cry a little bit and then you heal that. You get rid of it. You find a way to heal it. And we've got tools. You've got tools. I've got tools, you know, but yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Smart. Yeah. You cry for help. You cry a little bit and you said something about crying in, in like the fireplace, wherever, wherever you want to cry on someone else's shoulder, in your best buddy's shoulder, whatever. But it is a healthy thing. I just want to say entrepreneurs, it's a healthy thing to do. Not just entrepreneurs, but moms that even stay at home moms. I mean, they have a lot to deal with, you know? Yes. Um, I mean, it's nonstop to be mom and, you know, let alone single moms. Like I look at my husband sometimes and I say like, I don't know how to do this without you. Like, how could I do this without you? And then you look at us. Yeah. You just look at a single mom and I'm like, wow. You know, yeah, it's impressive. But, um, I want to touch on what you said about, um, the emotions that comes from childhood. And that's why we don't necessarily receive help graciously. And it feels awkward to get help when you have that mentality. But there is the other flip side, which are the younger generation, which has no shame in their game. (laughs) No problem asking for help. Which, you know, in a lot of ways, as a mom, I will tell you this. At first, I'm like, well, that seems you know, pushy and rude to ask people. And then I went, oh, thank the good Lord that they will do that. That way, if they're lost somewhere or stranded somewhere, they don't have problem asking for help. So I know they're far more self-sufficient in that way and they'll be okay. So moms, your kids will be okay. <laughs> the other piece is, you know, it's, I think there's the very extreme entitled part of that generation. Yes which is not, you know, asking for, and I'm just going to be transparent. Like I, in my podcast, I try to be very transparent and whatever people think it, if it's inappropriate or whatever, but Hey, you can have your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's that part of that generation. And maybe we have to do a better job as parents to, to let them know, Hey, it's, it's cool to ask for help. There's, there shouldn't be shame in asking for help because we, we already know that because we come from an opposite part of this generational change and shift. So, but there's a boundary, like it's all about boundaries, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. feel like everybody should give you everything and don't feel like just because your parents are rich that you are automatically rich, you know, or, or whatever, just because your parents have a house, you automatically get a house. What boundaries do you, because there's a lot of single moms and a lot of younger moms too that listen. So what kind of boundaries do you think you should propose or you and I should propose for those younger ones? Are you talking about if we, like your own age children, raising your own age children? 
Yeah, like, raising them, teaching them, educating them about those boundaries. I think when children learn the value of money, they learn what it actually costs to live. What does it cost to have a house? What does it cost to pay the power bill? How much work does it take to make that money to pay the power bill? It doesn't just come for no reason. When, when children aren't taught how they make money and how to hang on to some of it and how, how much it costs to actually live, when they're missing that gap because everything's provided for them and then they're off to college and they don't even pay their own car insurance or their own cell phone bill or I mean, there, there's no expectation. I think you're setting them up for failure because they are, we're not giving them the tools that they need. So even if you, as a mom, you know, there's, there's plenty of money for everything needed, I still think that the children need to learn early on. And um, one of the fun things I did for my kids was I gave, I had a work jar. Um, you know, so if they did a certain thing, they'd make a dollar or they, this was, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, they'd make some money. So they, they made money for unloading the dishwasher or, and for a while there I did treats. You know, when the certain age of their life, money didn't mean anything to them, but a candy bar did. You know, so the bigger the job, the bigger the treat. And so they could go in and they could pick out of the, out of the work jar, they could pick something that they wanted and then go do that job. So again, there was um, a reward for the work needed, but there was a correlation that it doesn't come free. The house doesn't clean itself. Um, you know, the car doesn't wash itself. Gas doesn't jump into the car, you know. So I, I really think it's important that we do our best to teach our kids how to function for themselves. And some of them will get it. I'll be honest with you, moms. Some of them will get it and some of them just won't. Just do your best. Do your best with yeah. what you have. And don't beat yourself up because each individual who's born and grows, they are at one point responsible for their own choices. So like my daughter, she got out on her own and went, oh man, I didn't realize why the house was always so clean. I'm like, <laughs> you know, her sinks are full of dishes from time to time. And she's like, yeah, it's because I wash dishes, you know, when she Mom. lived mom washes dishes. So, you know, even though she'd seen it and heard it and, and, you know, been raised to do some of that stuff, there was kind of a lag between doing it and getting out on her own. But, you know, it wasn't foreign to her. It was just like, oh yeah. Okay. Um, I think, does that help answer the question a little yeah, bit? Yeah. It takes, it takes time for some people to click, you know, um, like for me, it clicks for me right away, but I, I, do I believe it right away? You know, it's like sometimes, or I should be transparent that most of the time <laughs> I have to learn the hard way, you know, like there's different personalities and dynamic in your kids. You know, I have two kids. Yep. One of them may, and, and like, I like what you said that it's not foreign to them, but it hasn't clicked for them. Yep. And it won't click sometimes for others until they are in the position, they move out of the house, they realize that they have a car that's empty of gas and they need gas and that's why. And then things starts clicking. Ah, that's why my mama used to always say that. That's kind of like me. You know, there's a lot of, because I like having control and sometimes have wanting to have control of everything doesn't translate to getting your shit together. 
<laughs> you're too focused on the minutia of control. Yeah, because you're always like, I want it my way. I don't want it their way, you know? And so there's going to be kids that are like that. And there's kids that are like, whatever you tell them, they'll do, you know? And so I like how you said that, you know, some, some kids are going to get it. Some, yep. It's just like adults. Like I really treat my kids and look at them like adults because even adults won't get it right away. Yeah. You know? Well, the one thing that I want to say with that thought process, because a lot of us as moms, we think, well, if I just, if I treat my children as mature adults, you know, they'll, they'll get it a little better. There's one thing to keep in mind. Their brain has not evolved. Their brain hasn't really developed. So you can, to some extent, expect certain things of them. But at the same time, remember, you've got hormones and you've got brain development. And if they're not in place, that's why a lot of us don't really pick up some of these tools and insights and ability to make changes till we're more mature. I wish we could. I wish we could go and teach our teenagers and our high school students all of this mind aware. I wish we could, I wish they could understand that. But so, well, we try, but sometimes you got to remember at that age, they already think they know it all. Oh, I know. See, so that's what I mean. I'm a 13 year old. The so. brain hasn't completely <laughs> developed. You know, the, the brain just has not developed. They don't have enough experience. Yeah. To really go, oh, I really don't know it all. Because well, it's about the point they do know it all. <laughs> yeah. And it's about capacity, right? And yeah. so, yeah. and so when you talk about fully developed brain, and even fully developed brain is really like the brain has unlimited potential. Oh, absolutely. And so, even when you think you are fully developed or mature, it's still, you're still not quite even scratching the surface. So yep. um, it's all about capacity. And so when you don't have this much life experience, your capacity to understand the reality of things is really not there yet. So I, I, I thank you for mentioning that because, you know, like you said, as much as they think, they think they know it all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little it gets a little testy around the house with the teenagers who know it all. But you know, you just breathe, walk, you know, hold your boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Do the best so, you can. You talk about your daughter and it sounds like she's like me. She learns the hard way. Does she is she like that? What's her name? She's, no, she's her name is Misty. She's a teacher and a tutor. She's a private tutor. She's very, very good. Um, she's a heron. So but she's also adventurous in her own way. Um, and so I would say she didn't have to learn things the hard way. She was one that would stand back. Herons are a lot more, um, it, it's, a, it's a personality profiling I do with birds. So um, a heron would be an analytical. They're usually a little more willing to stand back and watch the mistakes that everybody else does. I see. And learn from it. Yeah, they go, well, that was stupid. I'm not going to do that. Well, that's a dumb thing. Don't you look like an idiot? You know, so they're far more willing to, they still make their own path, but they do it through learning. They do it through, um, you know, making sure that whoever they're learning from, they respect. And Misty's like that very much. But there are some things in the practical world. See, herons or analyticals often are very good at the, the head, head game. You know, they, they're very good at the learning not always very good at the practical every day because their world is different than ours. You know, they, 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 they live here. They don't live here. 
So, they have to have a manual of everything. I have one of those. Yeah, they, right. They need the boundaries. They need the rules. They need to know where the walls are and don't step out. Right? It's exactly right. And, um, and I'm going to talk about my son and how I became a really great mom for him because of your class. But first, can you educate my listeners in terms of this bird thing? Because you and I obviously know exactly what we're talking about. And everybody listening is probably like, what the heck? What the heck? Bird, dove, raptor. So I want to, for you to just kind of give us a, a, a snippet of each bird. And, and this is like just a little background. So I'll just let you do your thing. Cause look at your, your body language went like this and you got so excited. So do it girl. Do you? Um, my daughter got me into bird watching years and years ago. And as I'm out bird watching, I realized that all of the communication we're trying to learn um, we, we, through the disc profile and I mean, Briggs and Myers and all these personality profiles, that same um, concept could be put into something that we see every day that's easy to understand. So I watched the birds and I talked with her and of course she's being the learning, she helped me and we realized that I can break all of our four personalities that we deal with. Now there's more than that. This is not just in a box, okay? This is a basic, but there's four basic personalities. And what that means is people process information in a certain way. They either are relationship-driven or they're task-driven. They um, are either outgoing or they're very quiet. So the four flocks I broke it into are raptors, which if you think of an eagle, right, they're our leaders. They, they're dominant. They're powerful. They're, they like a lot of room. They're territorial. So those are the ones that are a little more controlling, high sense of responsibility. A lot of those will end up in our you know, um, leadership roles, CEOs, business owners. That's a raptor. And there's pros and cons to every single flock. The second one that I talked about was herons. Herons are those great big, tall, gangly uh, birds um, like egrets and herons. They're, they're quiet. They're very patient with the process, not with people. People are stupid to herons. <laughs> but they're very patient with the process. Because... Oh my gosh, I love that. Oh, can you tell really quick? Yeah. I just want to say the title of this personality profiling is called are you my flock okay i love that title by the way so (laughs) go on okay because it's about understanding whether or not you and i fly together you know we speak the same language or whether i need to learn your language so you can hear me because we can only change ourselves we can't change someone else so my whole premise with this is to teach people the language first you have to teach them how to identify the, the personality, but then the most important piece is learning the language. It's one thing to know that you're a raptor, but if I can't speak raptor, I've lost you, right? Or I get run over accidentally. So herons are your second ones. Herons are your analyticals. Herons are very detail-minded. They love to research. They're quiet. They're patient. They're skeptical. They're cautious. They're the ones that'll research a refrigerator for like two months before they buy it. A raptor's going to go to the store and go, I want that one. Can you deliver it? Uh-huh. I mean, there's just a difference in the way that they- I'll pay the price. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I don't want to mess with it. The third one is songbirds, like our little sparrows and um, robins and jays, blue jays that are you know squawky and loud. Songbirds are social. They love being with people. They don't ever want to miss anything. They're the ones that suffer the most from FOMO, fear of missing out, right? 
So they'll, they'll light up the room when they come in. They're the life of the party. They're talkative. They're the child that writes on the wall and never shuts up. That's your songbird. They're the ones that can't sit still in class because they're bored. And I have to tell you, this is so powerful, this program, because even my daughter, you know, I mean, our children never see things the way we do. You know, they're like, ah, sure, you're just my mom, right? But um, my daughter said, this really helped me because I used to get so irritated with the kids that wouldn't sit still. And they're always talking and they're always interrupting. And it just drove me crazy. And I asked her one time, she was talking to me about one of the kids. And I said, is it possible that child is a songbird? And she went, oh. Wow. Uh Aha. She treats those kids differently. Yeah, they still irritate her a little bit, but she knows what to do. She speaks their language. She finds something fun for them to do or gets them involved or gets them out of their seat. Huge difference between like tell tell them they they need to take rid of um, you know, Adderall or Ritalin. Oh or my gosh. Yes. Thanks. Right? For that. Those are your mental note. Let's talk more about that later. Okay. And then the um, fourth one is doves. And everybody knows when you think of a dove, you automatically think of peace and love and quiet. Well, they, again, they're a bird that's very um, relationship driven. You'll always see them together, right? They're so annoying to me, but see? I love them. But that's the difference when I'm you a understand raptor. a raptor is <laughs> always going to be annoyed with a, a dove. And that's normal. You got an eagle right here and you got a dove right here, right? That's lunch. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Lunch. Yeah. But your doves are your supporters. Your doves are the ones that want to make a difference. The only reason they do something is because it's going to make a difference. I love doves. They don't doves. care about money. They don't care about the party. They want to make sure that you're having a good time, that you're, that you're comfortable. Did you get something to eat? Do you need something more to drink? And I'll stay around to help clean up. So it's really a powerful, powerful program. It's changed my life because the, the deeper I dug into understanding, yeah, it changed the way that I look at people. I'm able to let things just fall off because it's not, uh-huh. my, right? It's not my, what they said was not about me. It's like, oh, that's right. That person's a heron. Give them some space. Yes. Oh, that's right. That person's a raptor. She didn't mean to bite. <laughs> right? She they do. They'll, you know, raptors are real bold. They bite a lot too. Come across as like, this is what I want. Let's do it. Let's do it now. And for a dove, they're like, oh, you know, you just bit me. You know, or did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. You spoke sharply. I must have done something wrong. So that's the that's the little snippet. And I do teach. I love it. The blast. So. I was, uh, was, because I already was going to ask you. So this has changed my life. And I truly believe, and I haven't said this to anybody talking about doves, because I think I have a lot of doves in me Mm -hmm. because I switch into like giving and making an impact and, you know, learning how to brush it off because, you know, not, I'm, I'm not transitioning, but I'm, starting to get to know myself more with your class and and that, you know, I'm a raptor when I need to be, especially in profession. Right. But, you know, I love my community. I love building a community. I love building a culture in, you know, in a group of people and things like that. So I'm learning that, you know, I am not, I'm not so much of, a raptor overall, but I, I, I know when to step into my raptorness and I know when to step out and become 
are in there. Good. And I, because Jen, my business partner for Game Changers is such a heavy dove, but the opposite, she also has some raptor in her yeah, when she I needs to be in her profession. So mm-hmm. I think we can credit him. credit the um your profile personality profile class into really understanding each other a lot thank you thank you i'm very honored i'm always honored when people you know when they say well i think you're just a you know and it's usually what they are and i i count that as a very high honor that i was able to speak their language and help them learn to speak each other's language it's 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 a blessing to me it really is yeah, because, you know, and, and Jen knows this, like, she knows when to back down. Like, when I'm, she can tell when I'm annoyed by her. And I can tell when I'm too strong for her. You know, <laughs> through text message, we, okay, we need, I need to give her some space. And I need, you know, I need to slow down my. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's, it's just been. We've become sisters because of it. So kudos to you. Uh, you guys did the work. So I'm proud of you. I really, I would say that to all moms. It's really about being willing to learn something new and practice it. It will change your life. It's one of the four keys that really I work with for all of my coaching clients or my retreats. It's don't, don't give up women. Be willing to learn. Be willing to practice something new to change your life. Yeah. So for salespeople, so let's start with business. How flock? And I already kind of gave you a little uh, experience or testimonial for me and Jen for our business, but how does that translate for the rest of the world business wise? Because I know you have, you now have an online uh, course for it. Mm -hmm. Live, a live class for it online. Yeah. I have what's called the master key membership. In business, there are two things that have made my business most successful. One was understanding how to read people, and the second was the personality profiling. So once you understand who they are, then you know how to speak their language. And those two things will get you far more yeses in business. It will take down the wall between you and someone else that you're trying to approach, and learning how to approach people, what kind of words to use, what kind of approach to use, body language, the whole thing. It is the most powerful thing you can learn for business because it translates from the introduction to the uh, presentation, to the close, to the follow-up, and to the client service. It's the whole thing. And I always tell people it's not the product, the program, or the service that you offer that makes you money. It's your people skills. Amen. People skills suck. It's true. Everything else does too. Well, when you work with people and your people skill sucks, then why are you in the people business? Yeah. You know, well, or and- not, not only that, that it sucks because I used to suck. You know what I'm saying? But you're not developing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd be the one that I was so timid when I first came to America due to my lack of proper English. I was very timid and, and shy because I didn't want to mess up my English, you know? And so you have to also be open to learning 
And, you know, having, I'm always building myself because I feel like I'm never, I never have everything figured out and I'm always open to learning. So even if you sucked, you could still, you could still develop it. It, It's not the end of the rope. Nope. And you know that things aren't working if you're not getting very many yeses. I always tell people if you're networking and you're just not making very many connections, nobody's wanting to do business, then you need skill sets on how to do an effective coffee date or how to do an effective Zoom meeting. Um, You know, I mean, you can learn how to talk to people. Yeah. You don't talk to people in one way or another, you know, even if it's getting really good at texting in their language or emailing in their language or Facebook but you still need to learn to talk to people because they're the ones that write your check. They have the money that you want. (laughs) I mean, you know, it's not all about the money, but it's a a huge part of the detail. That's That's what we all, you know, it's. Yeah, it gives you the privilege to do what you need to do in life. Plus you have the skill or you have, you have something they need. So it's a mutual exchange. It's not just us looking out for money. It's exactly somebody looking for something we have. Exactly. You can solve their problems and there's no better feeling in this world to solve someone's problem and, and as a byproduct, have some income or make money. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a byproduct of the things, the good things that you do. The second thing that I would like to highlight though with your class is that parenting and motherhood, because I feel, you know, like I have a better understanding of both of my children and I know when to really listen to them. And I think it's super important in this world, um, especially is is we don't know what they think and they have a lot of influence outside Um, our house. They have a lot of influence online and social media and being able to you know, quit being annoyed. I mean, I still get annoyed from time to time and just allow them to be herons, allow them to be who they are personality wise. I think that it's made an impact on me being a mom with your class. Are you my flock? Because our kids are like one of the most important things, if not the, you know, a lot of us, they're, they're our only why. I mean, they're one of my biggest why, but they're not the only why I have. So being able to not only even just communicate, but understand how to listen to them, it's, it's, it's been such a game changer for me. So thank Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for using it. I, I feel when, when I can touch a mom or a dad and they take that and they use it with their children, that's a ripple effect because that changes how their children will grow up and how their children will interact with the world. So that's a gift to me. So I am very, I'm very blessed that it helped you. I'm very blessed. Yeah, and for the moms that are listening, if you like are wondering how this whole thing's gonna translate for you, I literally will have BJ's information on the podcast notes. And of course, I'm gonna be blasting you on social media all over the place. But I really highly recommend your class. And then the other mental note that I made while you were talking about your class is, and you talk about Misty is the school system. Mm. You know, uh, when I look at my two children and it's funny, I connected with one of my clients and we talked about our two, she also has two boys and I have two boys and they're very different. 
And we talked about how they both learn. And my oldest, who's a heron, the, the public school system is so perfect for him. Yeah. He loves it. Yeah, he, like he, you know, he, he enjoys it. But my other son, you know, not so much. He, he, I think he'll be great in a Montessori school. Mm. You know, the public school system is not for everybody. But unfortunately, unlike the Are You My Flock class, and I think it should be taught in the school system to the teachers, right? Because like Misty is a teacher and she's able to understand how her kids learn. I mean, that would change the world because, you know, with my mission and vision, or I would say vision being, you know, mothering the world right there, you know, we're able to have a I call it the channels of distribution to mother this world, which, you know, a lot of times our kids spend a lot of time in classrooms. Majority of their time is spent in classrooms. And so if, if they have this tool, it's going to change the world and our kids are our future. And so they learn very differently. Even the two I have, I know they learn very differently. My youngest, my oldest says like, he wants to be an aerospace or just so like you said, you know, we have a scientist in him or an engineer in him. You already knew him before you, yeah. you I told you about him. And then um, my youngest came to my husband not too long ago and said, I, dad, I don't really want to go to college. He's only 10, you know? And so I think he just does the minimum in school because he has to, yeah. the other one thrives. Yep. It's not like he doesn't thrive. He actually, if he's doing the minimum and he's like in school, but it's not enjoyable for him. Right. Right. And it's okay for him not to go to college. There are some, I mean, some of our most amazing entrepreneurs and, and our, our, you know, development leaders. Yes. They didn't go to college. They were, they were too far ahead of the game. We get, I didn't go to college. I, I'm too bored. It's like, why would I want to pay money to go do something? I don't know what I want to do. I want to go make money. So I jumped into the work world right away. So nothing wrong with that. That's an old thought process that we have to go to college in order to find a job. Nowadays, we've got people that have PhDs and can't find a job. You know, they're working in call centers. I know some of them. Yeah. So yeah, it's so smart for you to know your child and figure out how do I support them in who they are and what they want to do to the best of my ability. Yeah. So people, there's three ways here that you can use this, this amazing tool that BJ has through business, like literally Mm -hmm. also to when you're trying to get a job, when you interview for a job, how to get the job too, Mm -hmm. by knowing who you're talking to, which bird, right? The thing I love about your class is the simplicity of it because in my professional world, banking, insurance, and all that, we have been sent to many. And the companies that sent me to many personality classes have spent thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Pages upon pages of who you really are. And then here comes, are you my flock? <laughs> and I'm like, holy moly. So Seriously, simple. this thing is so simple. And the simpler things are, like when I was writing my book, I try to like find big words and then the editor goes, oh, you know, that's the biggest mistake people do when they try to write books. They try to make it look fancy with words. 
the the best selling books are actually books that have simple words in it and it's easy to read. Yep. We try to be this fancy, amazing, but you could be amazing, but yet simple and deliver simple messages and in a very simplistic way. So I really, that is the, the best um, punch that you have in hmm. how simple it is. And you don't even have to think and have a cheat sheet. I know of it it class it sticks forever because of how simple it is and then you also have like a, a more advanced course on top of that right right yeah well in the 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 open classes that I typically teach the two-hour classes are just on identifying you know how do I figure out who somebody is because that's an awareness that a lot of people just haven't had they they, they just think everybody either is like them or not like them or they don't like somebody and they don't know why but the online master key membership really dives into all of that. So it has all of the Are You My Flock training, which alone is worth like $1,200. And then it's got all of the mind aware stuff too. So it has, an, it's really a very rich program and it's, yeah, it's coming up available. I'm going to be introducing it next month and opening the class up for the fourth quarter. That is so amazing. Congratulations on that. Or is that going to be when you said, what was the title again of the class? Master Key Membership. Because is that going to be a membership-based? Um, yes, it is already. I'm just, it's not open right now for new members. It will open up the 1st of October. Okay. 19 will be my next opening for a group to work with. Um, so through September, if people happen to see this, um, they can go back to my Facebook page if they see this afterwards. But through September, I'll be doing some live videos to train and to impart and then to invite. Awesome. What do you think is, you know, as we end our, our conversation here and um, we talked about you can apply your class to Are You My, or Are you my Flack to business, entrepreneurship, being a parent and a mom, like I already talked about my journey with how I applied it in my journey. And then of course, as a teacher, and, and I mean, as a parent, we're always going to be teachers to our kids. We are their first teachers, mm -hmm. but also um, as a teacher in a classroom environment or a school district and things like that. So mm -hmm. it is truly a universal tool that everybody could use to uh, just about for anything, yeah, right? Absolutely. And so, the first place people will put it is in their personal life. Every time they take the class, they're like, I wish you could get my wife, or I wish you could get my husband or my partner to take this. So it makes a difference in your personal relationships across the board. Okay. Yeah. Relationships, super important, yeah. right? Um, it gives you wisdom, a lot of wisdom. So question for you, what do you think you learned from your mother that you also use as a parent to your children? And I know probably a lot, but mention maybe one or two. Hmm. To do things with them, to have fun, because my mom took us camping and backpacking and things like that. So I think that was one thing is to do things, you know, to get out and do things with my kids. And the other thing I learned from her bar none is hard work. I know how to work hard. Yeah. Thank you for that. What do you think your message that you want to leave your kids um, if they were listening to this, this episode? Um, 
I would say never give up on your dreams and never give up on yourself. That's what I'd say. That's a really, really awesome message. You know, my, one of my best friends in, in high school is coming to America in Colorado and she sent me, you know, we just turned 40, obviously. And she just sent me a Facebook message. I didn't even know she was going. In the link tree, it's www.linktr.ee forward slash Kareen Mills. You'll see a link there for my donation page. And I would love your support. Also very proud of us. Mm-hmm. You know, cause, oh, my mama has a podcast or my mama is this, you know. So what is your message to your, your sons, your youngest? That you can do whatever you want, that you can, that you have purpose, you have calling. And just because your life might've been a little crazy at the beginning, that doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. And that your mama loves you and just that you, you can do all the things and there are no limits for you and that whatever you set your dreams to be, I know you will achieve them. Wonderful. What's you, what is the lesson? What is the biggest lesson you learned from your mom that you are applying to your motherhood? Yeah, I think the biggest lesson I learned from my mom is we had a song called, um, I can never remember because there's so many covers of it, but it's all stand by you. Uh huh. And she 